Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Uh, you weren't supposed to know it was my birthday. At my age, you kind of just go, thank God, another one around the sun. We did good. It's quite a journey, you know. It's, uh, it's one of those fun times, but thank you all for your kindness and uh, for being here. Let's stand, hold our Bibles up, welcome all of you watching online. Hold your Bibles up high. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, so glad that you're here and so thankful that you've joined us online. And those of you watching this uh, after the fact, we welcome you. Uh, it's something you want to stay tuned to. As uh, I begin this new series, begin this new series entitled "Believing for More in 24." Now, I've never been really a big Dr. Seuss fan, but I do remember him. And uh, every now and then, those rhymes kind of stick with us. So, hopefully, this will resonate with you and stick with you uh, throughout the month of December and as we approach 2024. That uh, the reason I'm doing this, obviously, first is because. At the end of every month or at the end of you know, every series, I begin to pray about, God, what's next versus looking six months down the road, just kind of looking ahead. And I thought, you know, uh, January is a time when a lot of people make, you know, New Year's resolutions and and uh, you start thinking about how 2023 looked and, and how you want things to be different in certain areas and then certain things you liked about 2023 that you may want to uh, continue on in 2024 or make even better. Uh, the challenge is that uh, we, by nature, because we are fallen human beings, have a tendency uh, to look at the negativity, the, the things we wish hadn't happened, the, regret, the regrets we might possess, and, and things that, uh, that we wish we could change that we can't change. So what we have to do is we have to set our sights on what lies ahead. The Bible says, without a vision, my people perish. And so a part of this is about creating or allowing God to in, put in us the vision that he has for us, what he wants us to do, and how he wants us to do it. Now, when I say this, immediately my thought uh, took me to people might misunderstand what this is really all about. Uh, when I say believe for more in 24, if you have an ounce of religiosity in you, uh, we begin to think, well isn't what I have good enough, and why would we want to believe for more, and aren't you being a greedy Christian, and I'm not just talking here about money, I'm talking about there's so much more to God that God has for us that we don't think about often, we don't, and if we don't think about it, we don't access it, and it's very important that we put our thoughts in the right place and meditate on the right things. Uh, what makes meditation in Christianity so different than Eastern meditation is this, that in Eastern meditation, when they meditate, the idea is to empty themselves uh, of whatever it was or whatever it is that they want to get rid of. But in Christianity, it's about filling ourselves. And, and so when we meditate on God, the idea is that as we fill ourselves with more of God, there is less of us. Uh, John the Baptist said, he must, I must decrease and he must increase. So the way that we increase in God is to meditate on him and, and his spirit and what he has for us and, and not emptying ourselves of the things that we don't like about us. Uh, if you, there's something or nothing about you that you don't like, you're not very realistic, I mean, I'm not trying to get you to go, well, you know, let me think about all the things I don't like. 
but, but we, we don't have to be encouraged to think about the things we don't like about us. I wish I was this. I wish I had this gift. I wish I could sing like Rayleigh, I, which was marvelous today. Thank you. Beautiful. Um, you know, we oftentimes start looking at what we don't possess instead of what we could possess in God. And so I want to get our minds on believing for more in 2024, really focusing on what God might have. And so as I begin every series, it begins with this massive thought and all these things start coming my way and I have to start cutting away at things that I feel like are less important than some other things. And so it gets a little difficult. And so I just ask myself the question, what would I want more in 2024? Well, immediately our minds probably go to things like, well, I'd like to have a bigger house or I'd like to have another car. And the list goes on. But the first thought that came to me is, and seriously, and I was really happy with this because it could have gone a lot of other ways, but I said, I want more of God. And, um, and then I had to ask myself the question after all these degrees later, what, what does that look like? How do I experience more of God? Because I feel like I'm full of God sometimes, and then Susan would disagree at other times. Uh, but I try to be as full of God as I can, and I thought, what, what, what makes me, puts me in that position? And, and here's what I came up with, and, and just meditate on this this week, is time. Time. How much time, not how often do I pray or how long do I pray or what do I say, but how much time do I set aside for God? Just how much time do I set aside? Now, please don't feel guilty if you say, well, I don't ever really set aside time. I acknowledge God. I'm not wanting anyone to feel condemned, but for me, I realized and, and that I just created a new office because I have to have a place to spend the time. I can't do it in the midst of other people to feel like I've really been effective in investing time in my relationship. Now, some of you extreme extroverts might be able to do that. I don't know. But I've discovered in my life that I was an extrovert by necessity growing up. And so I began to be who I thought I needed to be in order to bring joy to my family because I was the family clown. Some of you are going, that's not hard to believe. Uh, and so it, because we grew up the way we grew up, wonderful mom and dad, but we weren't the happiest family. I mean, we, we, we were lower middle class, and, and so, you know, you have to fight through all those things. So I thought, well, I'm just going to be, be that person. But then I, as I've gotten older, I've realized I, I really am more authentically the kind of guy that wants to withdraw and, and really kind of just have my time with God and, and just be alone and, and spend some time that I could get more of God, and that, that that's my approach. Now, I'm not saying that has to be your approach. I mean, you may take another pathway, but what I'm saying is if you want more of God, figure out what that takes for you to experience more of God. Now, and when I talk about time, I'm talking about throughout the week, your time, but I'm also talking about Sunday, uh, and, and again, I don't want anyone to feel condemned but at all, but I, I began to think when you get up to come to church, you're spending time getting ready for God. You're spending time getting to church to worship God. You're spending time listening to worship or experiencing worship. You're spending time listening to a message. In other words, you're investing time in getting more of God. And, and it, it takes something, people. It takes something. You know, it, it's, not like, it's not like magic. It's not like something just happens. It, it's, it's this this obedient time that says, God, I'm going to make you first place in my life, therefore I'm going to give you place in my life so that I can experience more in my life. And, and again, uh, the reason I, I want to share this is because I think most people here, you, you want more of God or you wouldn't be here. You, you, you're watching. You want more of God or you wouldn't be watching. So before you start beating yourself up, which we're so good at doing, and, and hearing the wrong thing is I, I want you to understand your investment in God and in time with God will bring a greater harvest than anything else in your life. And so I said, I want more of God, which means I've got to make more time 
so that I can experience more. Now, with that said, uh, in religious circles, and I'm using that, I, I hope, in, in the right context, religion means my effort to satisfy whatever it is God feels that he needs to be satisfied with. That impressing God, that, that to me is religion, is I'm doing all this for God. Christianity is what God has done for me and having that relationship with him. And so I'm not saying that you want more of him by that time spent with him is works. That's not what I'm saying. It's saying, God, you're that important to me. And so, uh, you know, a lot of people in the religious world uh, are thinking all about themselves and thinking about, and when I say that, I say it respectfully, but I grew up with that mentality. And then the other thing that happens is you begin to compare yourself with other people. At least my personality type could do that. And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm in church. I'm doing this, and, and that's better than, you know. And all of a sudden, I start trying to make myself feel better uh, than because of somebody else instead of knowing I'm better because of my time with God. And so comparing is never healthy. So before you start comparing yourself, so at least we do this, at least we do that. And, and the word least is similar to the word less. So in, in a world that has said less is more, uh, we've, we've mistaken the fact that the reality is sometimes we settle for less than God's best because there is a price that we pay to experience more, okay? If you want more peace, what are you going to do to get more peace? I want more peace. Well, the Bible says he will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on him because they trust in him. So I know how to access more peace. And, and that it's basically what I'm thinking about, what I'm meditating on. And so if, if I will just say, I'm going to keep my mind on him versus the criticism of others or what someone else might think of me or say about me, uh, I, I'm going to keep my mind on him because that's where my peace is. Well, I, I, I'm not as happy or as joyful as I would like to be. So what am I going to do? I'm going to be in his presence. The Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. So time spent, presence happens, joy is accelerated in my life and, and elevated. These are things that we have to do that are not magical. They don't happen because we're a Christian. As a matter of fact, most religious people, all they'll ever talk about is heaven and hell and how you're going to get there or you're not going to get there. And, and it's usually based on how good we are, how bad we are. That's typically the case. And so <clears throat> we can all say, I, I don't deserve certain things. I don't deserve heaven. You're right. None of us do. That's the beauty of Christianity is we don't deserve it. But God loved us so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross that if we will believe in him, we will experience heaven. So it, it's it's positioning ourselves in Christ, not conditioning ourselves in this culture, but positioning ourselves in Christ to experience more of him, more of his grace, more of his love, more of his mercy. I want it. I, I want more. And some people say, well, you know, that's just too much. Listen, I, I've never heard anybody say, you know, I, I got all the joy I can handle up in here. I just don't want any more joy. I mean, please, don't, don't be any happier, please. I, I can't take any more. I've never heard anybody say, I, please. I've never heard a spouse say, please, don't, don't love me anymore. I, I'm at capacity right now. I can't take any more of your love. Please, stop right now. Stop. It, and, and that's what we, 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 we don't realize, that, that what we're saying to God is, I know there's got to be more. There's got to be more. God, I want more of your love. I want, I want more of your peace. I want more of your grace. I want more of your mercy. I want more. But here's the problem. It does take something on our part to experience more of God. It takes effort. And everything that hell has will come against you to keep you out of position to experience more. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And he wanted more of God and he heard about Jesus and he's hearing all these fabulous things but he had a deficiency he was he was short now some of you are short you're going to get mad at me right now and go I hate pastor talking to me well if you're short embrace your shortness all right 
Zacchaeus decides, I'm not going to let that keep me from getting more of God. So he finds a tree and climbs up in it. Why? Because he wanted more. He said, i got to position myself for more. The pool of Bethesda, the crippled man, positioned himself for more. He said, I'm not going to let that my handicap keep me from experiencing everything that God has for me. Take me and put me there. I'm going to get well somehow, someday, some way. I want more. Throughout the Bible, we see all kinds of stories of people who said, I want more of God, and they put themselves in a position. And you need to have friends that will help you, not criticize you. I think about the, the paralytic who's laying on a mat, and he has four friends. And they said, you know what? He wants more. He wants more than what he's experiencing, and we're his friends. And, and they would be in a lawsuit today. Why? They broke a hole in the roof of a building where Jesus was. And then in the midst of it, it's so inappropriate that they would start dropping him down on a mat. How rude of you. We're in the house of worship. They said, we don't care. We want more of that man that's up there talking right now. We'll do whatever it takes to get to him. People say, you know, you look at other people, I wish I had what they had. Ask them what it took to get what they have. Because it's not easy. More is not easy. That's why they came up with this coin, this phrase, less is more. What they're saying is be satisfied with less. Well, Jesus didn't come, I say, I've come to give you life and give it to you partially. He said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. I've come to give you life and give it to you to the full. And yet people excuse themselves because they don't have enough press to get to the more. I want more. And you can be critical if you want. There are a lot of churches that will preach less. This is not one of them. Why? Because Jesus gave his life to honor us with his life and his grace and his salvation and his mercy. I want every bit of it. And if you don't want it, just go ahead and transfer it on over here. COVID set people back decades. They decided to settle it. The government would take care of me for the rest of my life. Isn't this great? No, we're trillions of dollars in debt. We can't get out of debt, and we're giving money to people who don't care. Facebook will probably censor me. They did once when I talked about it. I don't care. The world loves it when Christians are quiet, when we shut our mouths, when we don't talk about the blessings of God. God said, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life, choose blessing. You get to choose, but you have to make the choice. It doesn't just come to you. We come to it. We don't put ourselves down to lift God up. We lift God up so that we can put ourselves down. I'm not going to put myself down, but I'm going to lift him up. And when I lift him up, that exalts him above me. And when that happens, there's more of him and less of me. And there needs to be less of me on a lot of days. Let me tell you, marriage is not 50-50, nor is it 100-100. I'm about to blow your mind here. Listen, there are days that I'm worth about 20%, and I'll wake up, and this morning Susan was with her daughter last night, babysitting in Tulsa, got up, drove in this morning. She texted me, and this is our philosophy. She says, I can give 20% today. What she's saying is, can you give me 80? I said, honey, I got your back. I'll give you 80% today. Because there are days you just don't have it to give, and that's when you look at your spouse and say, look, today I got 40%, honey. Can you give me 60 because there are those days, and what we're saying is there are days that you have more. There are days that I have more. So let's share the more that we have instead of criticizing what we don't have. So well, how is this possible? Well, let me read a Bible verse to settle all those who are religious who expect me to read something from the Bible instead of just kind of share. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. God can pour on the blessings 
in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything more than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right living and right giving ways never run out and never wear out. God is waiting on open hearts, on deep desires to have more of him. But like I said, it, it takes something. One person said, I, I joined the gym six months ago and nothing's happened, so I think I'm just going to get up and go there and see what I can do. You see, it's not enough just to join a church. you got to go there. you got to be there. you got, you got to say, I'm pressing in. It's inconvenient. Who wants to get up on Sunday anymore? Everything's available. When I was growing up, there was a blue law in the state. Some of you never heard of the blue law. The blue law was you could not be open during church hours on Sunday if you were a secular business. They honored and revered God. Thank God for Chick-fil-A who, and Hobby Lobby who finally said, you know what? You can take away the law, but what we're going to do is we're making it possible for our employees to serve God. need to know those things. Less is more. That phrase, less is more, suggests that simplicity and minimalism. Oh, get you later. The phrase, less is more, suggests that simplicity and minimalism can often be more effective or aesthetically pleasing than complexity. Well, it is a little complex when you think about God what he has for us, and the gap between where we are with God and what we possess in God and where he wants us to be and what he possesses for us. There's a huge gap. How do we close the gap? And that's what this whole series is about, closing the gap between less and more. And here's what happens. We're born with this idea that there's not enough. And when God, Israel was going through the wilderness, God told him, he said, I'm going to supply for you every day your needs, I'm going to provide food for you. Do not take any of it in your tent. What God was saying is, I'm the God of more than enough. What I gave you yesterday, I can give you tomorrow, and I can give it even more. You don't have to do this. Susan, Susan uh, and I, uh, between us, have nine children. Pray for us this holiday season. And if you come to Walmart, shake my hand as I'm giving out flyers. Uh, but two of the children that we have between us, two of them are adopted boys. And uh, Susan adopted them many years ago. And they're, one of them will be 22 and in uh, December. The other one will be 21 in March. And. When she adopted them at like two years old and one, they were just babies. And uh, she was telling me when Ashton, who is the older of the two, was adopted, they had been in foster home after foster home in bad, bad situation, tough situation. Not even bad, tough. It'd be tough anyway. And she said he would literally store food without her knowledge. He would take it to the bedroom and hide it under his bed and hide it places because he didn't know there was more. You see, he had grown up in a situation where there was always less, and finally he gets adopted into a family that there was more. And she said, honey, you don't have to do that. Everything you want will be there when you come out of your bedroom. You don't have to do that anymore. You don't, you don't have to hoard. You're in a home that loves you. You see, the Bible says that we're adopted. You no longer have to be afraid of not having enough and living a less than life. We serve a God who's El Shaddai. He's all sufficient one. He's the God who is more than enough. And if we will believe him and we will trust him, you don't have to hide anything under your bed anymore. You don't have to put anything under your pillow anymore. He is the God who will show up tomorrow, the next day, the next week, the next year, and the rest of our lives. He is the God of more. It gets complicated. It goes on to say it's a subjective perspective that can apply to various aspects of life, design, or decision-making. 
You see, I, growing up in the family I grew up in, a wonderful mom and dad. It, it wasn't that. It, we just didn't have a lot of money. And, and I, I had big dreams, bigger dreams than what I was brought up in. And I don't know why that happened. I really cannot explain it to you that, that I just always felt like there was more than what I was experiencing. And, and I know my parents, I put them through all kinds of difficulty because I, uh, I just had this more mentality. And my dad was so principled. He, he worked hard. He did everything. He's just every, but I had this massive dream inside me. And I didn't even know where it came from because I really wasn't born again. And, and one day I was having a conversation. I could tell my dad was frustrated. I, I was getting ready to take off on a motorcycle and ride across the country. What Dad wouldn't be frustrated with a 19-year-old that that's stupid. I was trying to figure it out. I thought there's got to be something out there beyond my little community, my little redneck community. And when I say redneck, you need to have a gun driving through my neighborhood because we had them gun racks in the back of our truck, but that was good back then. Now you can't, but we did. And so I, uh, he, said, he said, son, he said, life's not a merry-go-round. And I looked at him. I said, dad, life is what you make it. And I'm going to make it more than what it is. Now, I, I, I had no clue what that meant. And I wasn't trying to be disrespectful. I just wasn't happy. I, I didn't feel like that I, I was born at the right time in the right place. I, I don't even know if I was born to the right family. That's my mind was going. And then I was at the at time, I was working with a construction company driving a bulldozer. Oh, oh, oh. There's not a whole lot more fun than driving a dozer. I just got to tell you, never driven one, do it before you die. It's a bucket list item. Especially if you see the car of somebody you don't like. Anyway, so, so I was on the, the construction site, and the guy that we, there were two of us, and we were clearing some land, and, and his dad owned the construction company, so I'm, I've got the son of the owner, and we're, beautiful sunny day, beautiful. It was just a gorgeous day. We're taking a break from cleaning this land off, and, and um, we're, we're kind of laying down. We just finished lunch, looking up at the sky. Beautiful day. And I saw an airplane go across the sky. And this guy's name, you can only imagine that his personality matched his name. It was Roscoe. <laughs> we have no idea. His real name was Bruce, but we called him Roscoe. I guess he was just a Roscoe rascal. I don't know. But anyway, I looked up at the sky, and I'll never forget this. I wasn't born again, didn't know God. And I looked at Roscoe, and I said, Roscoe, someday... I'll be on one of those airplanes, and I'll be going around the world. Now, you know what? That had to be God. I, I'd never been on an airplane in my life. And, and I thought, who wants to be on something 30, 37,000 feet up in the air? Little did I know that I was prophesying my own future, training leaders in Cape Town, South Africa, being on the Great Wall of China, preaching in Australia. I had no idea at that time. I didn't even... The thought of preaching scared me to death because I thought, you got to kind of know the Bible to do that. <laughs> and it really helps to know God if you're going to talk about him. I mean, you're not going to talk about somebody, it kind of helps to know him, don't you think? Otherwise, don't talk about him. And if you've got something bad to say, don't say it anyway. So I'm thinking, I don't know God. Why would God want me? I, wouldn't, I had no idea. But what I'm saying is every one of you has probably had that, that moment with God that you said there's more. But then somebody comes along and says, I'll just be satisfied with where you're at. How can you complain? How do you want more? Well, that's just so mean of you not to be thankful that God's already given you. Listen, I'm so thankful for everything God's given me. But you know what? I'm more thankful that I can trust him with more than what he's already given me. There's not one of us in here that if we had, you know, if we had endless amounts of wealth, endless amounts of joy, endless amounts of peace, that you would not want to give that to your children. And if you can say yes to that, you got some really bad kids. They say, I don't want to give them anything. Well, you got some bad ones. Either that or you're bad. I'm not sure which. But the reality is we love our kids. We want the best for them. We want to bless them. As a matter of fact, some of you will be working two jobs just to get through the holidays. Thanks to certain economics. You can fill in the blank. The reality is that, that we, we, we are that part of our nature of giving 
came from our Father. Even though we're adopted, we have that in us that we want to give. God wants to give more than you know. And you will only receive as you perceive. If you perceive that God is a good God and you perceive that God wants to bless you, only then will you receive what you perceive. If you perceive he's stingy, don't ever expect to receive anything from him because you're divided in your thinking. You're double-minded. I had to get single-minded because people say, well, you're one of those preachers that preaches happy, prosperous. What do you mean preach? Broke and depressed? How does that fly? There's no hope for any of y'all. Y'all going to hell. I don't know. You might get a lottery ball that works for you. I don't know. But good luck with that, okay? And even if you do start going up, you'll probably get dropped at about 40,000 feet. Let me know how that's working for you. I never understood why the liberal people get so mad at church people for talking about how good God is and how prosperous and how wonderful and how blessed and how good he is and how he wants you to have peace and how he wants you to have joy and how he wants you to have grace. And they criticize us for the things that they want, but they're not willing to sacrifice to get. I read an article this week that Christianity is a greater threat than Al-Qaeda. God bless us. I mean, come on, it's got to be true. It was in all the news. Why? We are dangerous. We are very dangerous people. Why? Because we believe there is a great and almighty God who actually is in charge of everything going on and that in a given moment, he can show up on his pony. There will be animals in heaven. For all of you vet-loving people and PETA people, PETA, 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 PETA. I'm trying. I'm getting there. So he is the God of more than enough. And how you perceive it. I'll never forget my first assignment was, I'm going to go ahead and say it because it's just me. And I know criticism because I, I love the Methodist church. And I love, I actually love the doctrine of Methodist church. It's great. The problem is most people that go have not read it. <laughs> My first assignment, and I'm a pastor in this, and I, I read it because I thought I've never been in one of these. I need to read the doctrine. I thought, God, these guys were great. John Wesley, Charles Wesley, they were awesome. Their mom was awesome. She literally had so many kids that in order to get along with God, all she'd have to do, she, 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 you know, they wore the long dresses back then and aprons. And in order to spend time with God, she put her apron up over her head and tell everybody to shut up. All these kids, I mean, this is their commitment to God. These are how these guys grew up, watching their mother say, there are a lot of you, but i got to have time with God. Put her apron over her head, and she would spend time with God. Her, it rubbed off on her sons. And I'm reading this doctrine, and I'm going, this is one of the greatest. Methodist Church has one of the greatest doctrines I've ever read. And so when I get to my first meeting, I ask, I said, how many of you ever read this? Not one of the board members in a large group never read it. I said, y'all read it because it's getting ready to happen. The crow has flown in. We're getting ready to rock the house. Now, you got to understand, I wasn't there but a year. That tells you what happened. Anyway, so <laughs> they got the bird flu. Anyway, so crow, okay, anyway, so. But it, it ended up being a good situation. But what I'm saying is one of the first meetings, one of the other pastor's wives said, well, our righteousness is as filthy rags. And she was proud of that. I thought, wow. So my father is, gave me a filthy rag. But I didn't. I said, well, you know what? That's in Isaiah. But in the church of Corinth, the Bible says that we're the righteousness of God in Christ. And he, traded, he, threw, he threw the filthy rag in the laundry and washed it as white as snow. I'm no longer a filthy rag righteous person. I am created in the image and likeness of God on the apple of his eye. I'm adopted. I don't have to hide food anymore. I don't have to hoard anything. I have been born and adopted into the family of God. This is none of my kids ever say, Dad, can I go in the pantry? They went in there like locusts. When they got older, I started hiding food in my bedroom. 
and I'm a bad dad. I'm not a God dad. I'm a bad dad. But I'm going, y'all are eating me literally out of house and home. You see, they understood I'm their daddy, and they figured anything they wanted they could have. Listen, he's your daddy. Whatever it is you need, whatever it is you're asking, you don't have to say, can I go to the pantry? All you got to do is open the door to the pantry and go in and get what's on the shelf. Some people approach God like he's going to spank them. Hey, think maybe I could have a nugget? (laughs) Creeping on God. (laughs) Don't creep on God. He has so much more. He has so much more than you could think about. So much more than we can imagine. That's how come he said it, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He didn't say, there'll be a little trickle if you'll help me out. (laughs) Might spot you a little bit. No, he said, if you do what I tell you, he said, I'll open the windows of heaven. He said, I'll pour out so much on you, you won't even have room enough to contain it all. Now, see, this irritates religious people. Are you talking about prosperity? I'm talking about a prosperous God who adopted me. He's my daddy, and I'm not going to embarrass him. You act like people act like it's it's a bad thing when somebody gets blessed. You start comparing, and then I remember growing up hearing, well, they're probably bad people because they got some stuff. I'm thinking, well, I'm interested in being a little bad then. Did I have a dash of bad just to get a little more than what I got? You know, I mean, it's just stupid to me. But we, we bow our knee to the criticism of humanity and the criticism of liberals saying, why should the church have it? Let me tell you, they're scared to death of a prosperous church because we can flip this country in a minute. It's not what's happening in the White House. It's what's happening in God's house. It's what's happening in our house. We can turn it. We can flip the script on this thing. But we cannot depend on a bunch of other human beings. We have to depend on a supernatural God who is the greatest of all. And if we will turn to him, he will turn it around. Man's stupidity got us here. God's wisdom will get us out. But everybody wants to turn away. Like, what is the loss here? Don't live a less than life. I'm okay. I got I got just enough joy to get me through tomorrow. I got a dash of peace. I can taste it. Ain't gonna fill me up. We have choices to make. And too often, Flip Wilson did us a great injustice many years ago. And if you're old enough, you'll remember Flip. The devil made me do it. The devil can't make you do anything. You might submit and surrender to something he wants you to do, but he can't make you. Let's quit blaming the devil for stuff that we're doing stupid. That was what the new movement was, the devil, the devil. The devil is a liar and a loser. He's a deceiver of the brethren. He deceives us into believing that what he says is true. God doesn't want anything for you. If he did, I mean, how, I mean, how can a good God send anybody to hell? I have a really good response for that. God doesn't send anybody to hell. People choose to go there. He just sorts it out. So, you know, people have tried to pin God to be a bad God, and if this happened, if he was really God, yada, 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 yada. Listen, my mentality is the only reason I have breath in life today is because he gave it to me. And so at the end of the day, I, at, that, that, at the end of the day, that could just be enough. You say, well, that's enough. But, but he adopted us, and he said, I want you to embrace the culture of the family into which you were adopted. And I close with this, just a brief story of the prodigal son who had everything. And we know the story is, metaphorically speaking, uh, about the father and his kids. 
And one son said, I want my inheritance. I want it now. And the father was so loving and so kind. He said, son, here's what, everything you would have received. I'm going to give it to you. Why? Because you have a free will and I have a free will. We get to choose. And the son chose a way that the father wished he had enough. But he let him go. And the Bible says he went. He spent all of the money, his inheritance on wild living. And before you knew it, he was out of money, found himself hungry, went to work for a farmer, feeding the pigs, found himself in a pig pen. And he hungered for the pods that the pigs were eating. And finally, the Bible says, when he came to his senses, listen to this, when he came to his senses, not when he felt, when he thought, when he looked and realized, he said, even my father's servants eat better than this. And he said, I will get up and I will go home and I will apologize and I will repent. And he actually, in one translation, uses the words, I'll never again be worthy to be called your son. This is exactly the position many people are in. You've made mistakes like the, the prodigal son. You've done something stupid. You wasted something. You did something. And you've not gone back to God because you feel less than. You feel unworthy. And here's what happened. The father had been waiting, believing that his son would return. And one day he looks down the dusty road in front of his home, this huge, beautiful ranch. He's trying to give you the picture of what this might look like. And he sees in the distance a man walking toward his property. It intrigued him and interested him to the point where he kept walking out toward the man. And he sees it's not just a man, it's his son. And he didn't say, you know what? You blew it. You blew it. You had everything you ever wanted. And you went out and you were stupid and you were silly and you wasted your life and you wasted your money. No, 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 no. Father turns to a servant and says, hey, hey, go to my closet. I knew this day would come. I knew it would come. I want you to go get a coat that I had specially designed, a Louis Vuitton. And I, there's some Gucci kicks in there, too. I want you to get those. And, and, and I got a David Yurman ring with diamonds. I said, I want you to go get all this, and I want you to put it on his back and his finger and his feet. You see, God never runs out. <laughs> it wasn't like God said, well, you know, I got an old robe. We don't have much, but I got an old robe you can have. He said, no, I got one custom designed for you. I got a special pair of shoes. I remember your size. I know they're going to fit and you're going to love them. Not only do they look sexy, but they're comfortable. And I know how important that is to women, but maybe it is to men. I don't know. Never choose comfort over beauty. Anyway, so anyway. It's probably someone, you don't know what it's like wearing three-inch stilettos. Anyways, you're right, and I never will. Okay, so. The only person who gets mad that dad did what he did was the brother who was jealous, comparing himself. Look at what I've done. Look, at I've been here the whole time. I've worked for you the whole time. And The minute God begins to pour out more, there will always be critics that attack you and say you don't deserve it, to which I'd look and say you're right, but I have an incredible father who is forgiving and loving unconditionally, who cares deeply, and I am the apple of his eye, and I know I did wrong, but I'm not going to not come home because I know if I go home to daddy, everything's going to be all right. Thank you. You see... This is just the introduction. I didn't even get to page two. <sighs> because this, this, is, this is so resonant. This resonates so much with my life, knowing all the mistakes I've ever made. I could repeat in my mind over and over. And every day the devil comes and the front page news from hell is everything I've ever done wrong. But I quit taking that paper. I quit taking that newspaper. Because the reality is I have a God who is more than my less. And he says, I will fill you to overflowing. Quit looking at all the mistakes you've made, all the wrongs you've done, all the wrongs that have been done to you. 
You will never find yourself full of peace if you depend on somebody else to bring it. You'll never experience a joy unspeakable if you expect a circumstance or situation to get better. You experience it because you get in his presence. Regardless of what's going on in the world around you, the world within you is so much greater and the God in you is so much bigger. There's so much more. And it's not reliant on how great you are. It relies on how great he is. He's got a coat for you. He's got shoes for you. He's got a ring for you. He's got peace for you. He's got joy for you. He's got mercy for you. He's got grace for you. He's got patience for you. He's got love for you. He's got everything that we need to fill our lives with more than we ever thought we could contain. I love getting around people who are so happy that they need to be drug tested. Don't you like being around happy people? Don't you hate it when you see someone walking up to you and you can look and say, this ain't going to be purdy. That's from my neighborhood, purdy. And you know it by the countenance that they are reflecting. I want to be the guy that they look at and go, oh, no, here he comes. What's he selling? I ain't selling nothing, but I'm giving away Jesus. Part two, next week. And I'm older and far more mature, so next week will even be better. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for being a good God. Thank you that you could have been any way you wanted to be, but rather than being the taskmaster, the judge, the jury, you decided to be a benevolent, loving God. That you don't beat us into submission. You lead us by love. And Lord, I thank you for that. So I pray, Lord, those who have experienced religion with an expectancy of our own goodness today would be enlightened by the scriptures that have been read and the words that have been spoken. We want more of you, God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're all going to pray a prayer together. I'd ask you to pray this with me so that those who have not accepted Christ would feel comfortable praying this. It's called a salvation prayer. The Bible says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I want all of you to pray this with me, if you would, please. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. Today I'm saved. Amen. Now, with that said, there will be people that say, well, now we need to see that you're saved. You know what? It's not what we see. It's who we know. You may not behave differently today or tomorrow, but over time as we grow in God and we get more of God, we become more like him. More loving because he's love. More caring because he cares. More joyful because in his presence is fullness of joy. There's more. There's more. And if you say, why? I've gone to church. I've done this. I've done that. Listen. Go with a different mindset. Go with faith believing that there is more. And that you're going to get your more. You're going to get your more. <clears throat> God's not going to withhold. So if you prayed that prayer. And you say, I, I prayed, I accepted Christ. I want to ask you to text the word saved, 405-500-1310. And, and walk through the process. There's a template on there. You fill it out. We'll pray for you. It, it's very simple. Those of you in-house, if you prayed that prayer, our prayer team will be the left of the stage in a moment. I want to ask you to come up and say, look, today I gave my life to Jesus. Would you pray for me? I need help. And I ask every week, would you pray for me? I need help. Yeah, because I don't, I, I, you know, I used to say it's great when I was 63 and dyslexic. Made me 36. It's not working so well on the other side of that. Anyway, so, anyway, uh, pray for, be, don't be afraid to be, receive prayer. God, I want more. I want more. I want more. So do that if you would, please. At this time, I want to receive our tithes and offerings. <clears throat> You know, I was going to take a different approach to this, uh, but I just wanted you to know we're, we're going to be upgrading some things in here 
uh, real soon, and uh, it's going to cost some some money. Uh, but again, we don't beg for money. We just I'm just letting you know, informing you, so that when you see it, you won't be shocked. But um, we had one guy in the church that said, whatever people give to redesign the stage, I'll match it dollar for dollar. So he said, if you raise ten thousand, I'll give ten. That's twenty. So it's already been stated. So I'm just letting you know, if you want to help us with the stage, this doesn't ties, not offerings. This, I mean, this is a special deal. Just put on there stage design or whatever. Uh, I'm already looking at Easter, the biggest Sunday of the year for any church. And as much as I hate uh, what, what we do in, in this life to, to get people's attention, I, I see the necessity of it. But, uh, you know, I want people just to love God and come to church for that. But I know that some people say, you know, I want to see what's going on. And and they see it through different eyes. So we're going to do that. No pressure at all. Just letting you know. If you want to help, there have been several people committed already to to help. But I don't want you to feel any pressure at all. And I don't want you to just no campaign, none of that. I'm just letting you know. So if you want to give today, tithes, offering, whatever, the QR code behind me, put your smartphone on that. uh, And it will direct you to how to give there. And you can set, set up your giving, or you can text the word GIVE to 405-546-2226. 405-546-2226. And, and you can do it any time of the day, day or night. It's a wonderful thing. Also, you can give at our website, mosaicokc.church forward slash GIVE. You can give on your way out, or you can mail it to 5821 Northwest Expressway, 4 acres 73132. Uh, we do appreciate that. And those of you that... Uh, are new to the church here, uh, come back and give me another shot. I'm not sure it'll get better. Uh, be nice to at least have a second chance. Anyway, so uh, uh, we, uh, if you want to get my weekly call, Wednesday nights, 6 o'clock usually, unless I'm late, uh, this call goes out. It's less than two minutes. We've got this, this dial my calls. And it's just an inspirational thought. I try to inspire, give you some shot in the arm in the middle of the week. Uh, and again, it's two minutes or less, so I won't bore you. Send it to voicemail. You might need to listen to it twice. Anyway, so some of them are that, you know, really pretty good. I'm looking go, wow, God, thank you. Uh, so anyway, uh, you can sign up for that by just going, texting the word call to 405-513-10. That'll send it to the call. You can text the word serve to 405-513-10. Fill out the template. We'll call you. You can get connected and involved in the church. Uh, it's just several things like that that you can do, okay? I'm going to ask our prayer team to come to the left of the stage. If you stand with me, we're going to go out with a shout because that's just what we do. Uh, I have, we have a lot to shout about. Listen to me. Listen, listen. Quit shouting at other people and, and shout to the Lord. He is worthy to be praised. And so uh, I love y'all. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so grateful to God that I get to do what I get to do. And thank you for listening or at least looking like you are. It's appreciated. So let's go out with a shout. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 930 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.